press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Tuesday, August 2. It's a big day for anyone with a mortgage, with the Reserve Bank Board likely to today lift the target cash rate a further half point to 1.85%. It comes as banks adjust their business models, going after high-value borrowers with significant mortgage discounts available for those who've saved a big deposit. The Australians also revealing today the big four banks are earning an extra $600 million a month because of the RBA's recent rate hikes. Later in the episode, we'll hear what's pushing interest rates up and a small bit of good news in your grocery basket. A protest on the floor of Federal Parliament. Re-elected Green Senator Lydia Thorpe made her oath of allegiance with her right fist raised in the air. I, Sovereign Lydia Thorpe, do solemnly and sincerely affirm and declare that I will be faithful and I bear true allegiance to the colonising Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Senator Thorpe. She was asked to read the affirmation again and reluctantly did so. I, Lydia Thorpe, do solemnly and sincerely affirm and declare that I will be faithful and bear true allegiance to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, her heirs and successors according to law. Australia is facing a national egg shortage, with major supermarkets enforcing purchase limits as demand skyrockets and supply collapses. Industry experts say the cold weather has affected hens' laying output in free-range farming models, more than caged hens. We'll find out more about that later in the episode. First up, what's driving inflation the hardest? The Reserve Bank Board meets today and is expected to again lift the target cash rate, meaning mortgages will go up again. Jared Lynch is a business reporter with The Australian and joins us now. Jared, what are the markets expecting from the Reserve Bank Board today? We're expecting another blockbuster interest rate hike of around half a percentage point. That'll take the official cash rate up to 1.85%, and that will result in households paying hundreds of dollars extra per month for their mortgages than they were back in April. So a lot of hip pocket pain out there. Jared, the Reserve Bank Board is trying to keep inflation under control in that target range of 2 to 3%, which is their mission statement, really. What are the elements of that inflation right now? Well, we saw in the ABS figures last week when they released the CPI figures, it was a combination mainly of fuel costs, which... There's no one here in Australia can really do anything about that because that was the result of the unprecedented sanctions following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Property prices have just gone absolutely ballistic during the pandemic. And it probably wasn't really helped by the government with those home builder grants that they introduced, uh, which was to prop up the construction sector. But giving people an extra $25,000 for a reno, given Australia's love affair with property, it was almost like throwing petrol on the fire. Construction costs are a massive part of the inflation problem, aren't they, Jared? 
So we've got the stimulus spending, which is part of that. But what else is going on in the construction sector? There's a lot of pain going on in the construction sector at the moment. A lot of builders offer fixed price contracts, which is what banks demand because they just don't want prices to go out of control. And as a result of timber going up, double-digit increases in steel as well, that has resulted in builders taking an absolute bath and big and small builders have gone to the wall as a result. So this whole stimulus measure, which the government hoped to prop up the construction sector with, has actually had a perverse effect by creating extra demand. Supply hasn't been able to keep up, which is the 101 rule of economics, and that's just caused prices just to go absolutely whoosh. Jared, there's some dispute about how much uh, Australians are actually able to tighten their belts, how much discretionary spending we're still doing. One thing that's not discretionary is the weekly grocery shop. It's amazing to recall that about 11 years ago, we were all talking about groceries being too cheap. That was when Coles, followed by the other supermarkets, introduced $1 a litre milk. What was the long-term legacy of that kind of cost-cutting? Well, you mentioned Coles. Well, they hired status quo to bring their down-down prices are down. Well, now it's up-up, prices are up, and there seems like there's no end in sight. I guess we've become used to grocery deflation as a result of that savage discounting across the supermarkets. One person told me that for years the supermarkets thought, you know, they don't care what their stores look like. It's all about price that gets customers in the door. So we saw that with the $1 a litre milk and then we saw it go into, I think it was a similar price for bread and a range of consumer staples. And consumers got used to paying that. Now when we look at the COVID pandemic isolation rules, which caused lots of people in warehousing, truck drivers, even people out in the paddocks picking produce, it caused labour shortage across that chain, which crunched supply. And then we had Russia's invasion of Ukraine and they supply heaps of wheat, fertiliser, a big, big, big producer. And that also crunched supply. But demand hasn't changed. So if you've got supply going down and demand going up, that's going to put pressure on prices. And it's come as a shock to a lot of Australians who for the past 10 years got used to getting a bargain from their local supermarket. One of the things bargain hunting shoppers are doing now is returning to home brand, to the very cheapest products they can buy, which are often the supermarket's own brands of things like tin tomatoes or tuna. What does that kind of shopping do to the rest of the sector? Well, it makes uh, a lot of the people in the companies in the listed space, it crunches their margins even further because not only are they trying to sell their own branded products, take Western Star Butter, for example, which is a heritage butter brand produced by Fonterra, they're competing against Woolworths and Coles home brand butter. And you know what? Fonterra produced that butter alongside their Western Star butter under contract. So they're already getting probably very, very skinny margin on producing that contract private label for the supermarket chains. And then that margin gets crimped even further when you see consumers go into that private label product rather than the the higher margin branded products. So there is one small piece of good news and it relates to a breakfast spread. Incidentally, Jared, avocados are cheap and there's plenty of them. I thought they were destroying the economy. I've seen young people order smashed avocado with crumbled feta on five grain toasted bread at $22 a pop and more. $22 several times a week could go towards the deposit on a house. 
Yes, the much maligned avocado, which is why millennials couldn't get into the house market. They were a symbol of opulence and decadence and luxury, and now they're probably one of the cheapest bits of fruit and veg that you can get your hands on. I saw some photos, I think that was up north, they were selling for nine cents each. And we were paying, I think they got up as high as over $3 at one stage. On average, I think prices at the moment are now around a dollar. But yeah, as a, once again, as a result of those uh, record prices that we were seeing not, not that long ago for avocados, you had farmers try to cash in and plant their paddocks full of avocado trees, but then all of a sudden they had too much. And at the moment it's forecast that they'll produce enough avocados for 22 per Australian. Now that's something like a 26% increase. And that's a lot of avocados. So yeah, farmers are, are looking just to get rid of their product before it spoils. So one way of doing that is to sell them very, very cheaply, which we're seeing at the moment at the supermarkets. Another way is, is looking to export markets to soak up that demand. Because at the end of the day, Claire, there's really only so much guacamole that you can eat. Jared Lynch is a business reporter with The Australian. Coming up, there's a serious egg shortage. And it turns out free-range hens don't like the cold. Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component oh, of that. I, I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts. Next time you make an omelette, you might want to think twice about under what conditions the egg was laid. And I'm not talking about battery farmed eggs. Quite the opposite, actually. It turns out our appetite for free range has resulted in a nationwide shortage. Industry experts say that free range chickens and those who live in sustainable farming models are really suffering with the cold weather because they're more exposed to the elements. To tell us more, I'm joined by Remy Varga, who's a New South Wales reporter with The Australian. Remy, how did you find out there was a national egg shortage? I was shopping for eggs on the weekend and there weren't any and I noticed there were signs saying there were product limits and I decided to look into it further. So there's been an egg shortage for a couple of weeks now and there's a variety of things going on in the egg sector, but I think that the issue is that there's an increased proportion of free-range chickens who are more susceptible to the cold and they're, they're less reliable because they, they live in more open spaces, so they're less controlled, which is one of the reasons why people don't like caged chickens, right, is because they spend their whole lives in cages. The flip side to that is that caged chickens tend to be more reliable and produce more because every facet of their existence is controlled and geared towards producing the most eggs. They're also safer, right? They're not being eaten by foxes or wild dogs. Yeah, so there's a high mortality rate among free-range chickens and, and they're more susceptible to bacteria and parasites. And then also because they have greater movement and they socialise more, once they get sick, it spreads quite quickly. Maybe there's an analogy between lockdowns and COVID and the fact that we all had to stay inside for so long to stop the spread <laughs> and, you know, what, what, what happens to free-range chickens compared to caged chickens. 
It's a really interesting example, Remy, isn't it, of consumer influence over retail and over agriculture. The demand for free-range chickens really turned the industry for free-range eggs from a pretty fringe thing that was only for wealthy customers to something that's now very much the mainstream. Yeah, as the demand for free-range eggs became more mainstream and most cafes would just sell free-range eggs these days, it's kind of pushed the industry that way. Um, So we have this situation where the cheaper, more efficient way of producing eggs, which is cage, has become less sustainable financially because it doesn't attract the same kind of investment because most people assume that it'll it'll be dead in the next, you know, 10, 15 years. And that's taken us to this situation where the egg supply um, is more volatile, but we have an increasing consumer appetite for eggs. Uh, The demand for eggs has increased year on year over the past five or so years. um, And, you know, the average Australian will consume around 250 eggs, but we have less stable supply. There's an equity issue, isn't there? I think most people had assumed that as free-range eggs became more mainstream, they would get a lot cheaper. Mm. But what you've identified is there are a whole lot of issues about free-range farming that perhaps the cost can never really come down that far. Another issue is that because free-range chickens produce less than their cage counterparts, you need more of them to go into that system and that takes more out of the cage type. So, yes, you need more chickens and you get less eggs. But then, of course, it's not really fair to expect every single family to be able to pay more for eggs. We are currently experiencing high inflation. So you have have all these additional cost of living pressures. And then can we say to your average family, you need to pay twice as much for less eggs? It's not particularly fair. A lot of those 249 eggs that we're all apparently eating every year are consumed in restaurants and cafes. And so, of course, COVID has had a massive impact on the national flock. What happened during COVID? I have heard that some farmers had to cull their flocks over COVID. Um, This is because you can't stockpile eggs. They have a finite lifespan and people were eating less eggs and restaurants and cafes were not buying eggs because they were closed. And so some producers had to cull their flocks, I have been told. So, Remy, this is a very real-life example of uh, what sustainable farming can look like as our population grows and our demand for certain products grows. What has it told you about that? Look, I think that there's just a real question about shoring up food security going forward, particularly with an increasing population and increased demand for housing. There's a finite amount of land for either people to live on or to farm on or to produce eggs on. And so looking forward, we need to balance these competing demands. I think most people don't want chickens to suffer. But then we come back to this question of, well, how can we make sure the chickens are okay and that we can afford eggs? And how can we feed everyone at the same time? It's clear the demand for free-range eggs is not going to go away. So it's a problem we have to solve. I don't think most people after spending years buying free-range eggs are going to be comfortable going to caged eggs because of the associations with, you know, that type of egg, which is, you know, animal cruelty. Remy Varga is a New South Wales reporter with The Australian. 
Ukraine is asking Australia to lead the rebuilding of two of its hardest hit cities, starting with fixing schools and hospitals. It's part of Ukraine's push to mobilise the global community to help it recover when Russia's war eventually ends. You can read all about that, plus the nation's best news, business, sport and politics, right now at theaustralian.com.au. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts.